Shitbox Jeep with $50,000 repair bill, a critical update. That's next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian, yes, new car buyers save thousands of their next new cars. Hit me up on the website for that. So, concerning the Lawrence family and their Grand Cherokee repair bill, which you can see from space reported on last Wednesday, they're looking down the barrel of a $47,500 fuel system repair bill. The official quote... Full story in the link just up there. Okay, happily, Fiat Chrysler bent over on this a couple of days ago, and I could not have predicted that. Details on that coming up. Pretty interesting backstory there. But they did not bend over as altruistically as the media is reporting. Jeep to pay $50,000 to fix family's faulty Grand Cherokee. SUV. That's the headline that just jumps off the page, doesn't it? The follow-up story from James Hall, reporting in news.com.au. And a quick shout-out to Teenage Rupert Ninja Turtle, the original hero in a half-shell turtle power. Yes! But to James Hall, I would suggest back to business school for you, son, because Jeep's paying for the repair... However, I doubt that it's costing them the full extortionate retail price. They're getting the parts at cost, let's not forget, so there's that. And there's probably been a somewhat stern and at times terse conversation between FCA and the dealer involving the labour and other matters. So, it's virtually a free repair for those Jeep assholes, and certainly in the context of the operating budget, it's free. This is a second-hand Grand Cherokee. It was bought two years ago, and it is six years old today. It's got 180,000 Ks on the clock, which is rather high for a vehicle of that age. But let us not forget, a brand like Kia gives every customer a seven-year unlimited kilometre warranty. And I say this just for perspective, because Jeep would argue strenuously that it is a more premium product. The Lawrence's Jeep was serviced on time by the dealer, that's a plus, and it's difficult to abuse a diesel fuel system when you think about it, unless, of course, you fill it up with gasoline. That's kind of bad, but there's no evidence that they did that. There's a lot of Jeep apologists out there too. Dozens of people actually suggested that this was just a rogue dealer. Keep watching, because I've got the friggin' smoking gun on that, and it is emphatically not a rogue dealer. It's an entrenched rip-off strategy from Jeep involving the dealership network. Smoking gun on that, coming up, the evidence, quite shocking really, spanning a couple of years too. But first, the law says every product you buy in Australia must be reasonably durable. In other words, if you get it serviced on time and if you don't abuse it, it must meet the durability expectations of a reasonable consumer. And reasonableness is not defined in the legislation. Ultimately, it's figured out by a court if there's a dispute but it kind of works like this. If I buy a toaster or a kettle or something like that for, I don't know, 100 bucks, and it lasts me three years and then it croaks unceremoniously one day, I reckon it's been reasonably durable. 
If, for example, I get six years out of a refrigerator, maybe a TV, okay, more expensive appliances, well, I would expect them to last longer, especially if I buy a premium brand. With a $50,000 car, I'd suggest, as an engineer, that a reasonable design expectation is something like 10 years or 200,000 kilometres, whichever comes first. The law says if something minor fails, then they have to repair it for free. If it's a major failure, under the legislation, that is a trigger for replacement or refund, and you, the consumer, you get to choose. This is not my opinion, right? This is legislated. Do you remember that woman, right? Sally Morphy, I think her name was. The Princess of Poshtovia, I called her in an earlier report. This was a win for consumers too. She buys this Range Rover, okay, and predictably enough, it shits itself. She takes the company to court. This would be the dealer and Land Rover. That would be dealer, first respondent, Land Rover, second respondent. And the court orders a 240 thousand dollar refund which is like yes win for the good guys even more perfect she makes an application for costs okay to land rover shitsville this is like two red hot pokers without warning in the anus and nobody enjoys that it's about $140,000 extra for the legal costs okay so land rover objects strenuously, as it happens. And like, Land Rover is the second respondent in this case, okay? The first respondent is the dealer, and the dealer goes after Land Rover for its costs. <laughs> yes, which are also about $140,000, as it happens. And serendipitously enough, and this is great, the judge agrees. So costs included, Land Rover ends up paying, let's call it like, half a million dollars to buy back a quarter million dollar Range Rover shitbox because they were basically a pack of pricks who acted like complete cockheads in the way that only lawyers and corporate dudes can when they conspire, attempting to delay and obfuscate intentionally to ramp up the Princess of Poshtovia's legal friggin' costs. So, yes. Plus... Obviously, Land Rover paid its own legal costs, which I assume were not trivial. So that's a bit of an added bonus. Anyway, I think we can all agree that this was a happy pro-consumer result, and it's quite recent as well. I don't know about you, but I want the car industry running scared on issues like this, with increasingly complex vehicles featuring increasingly complex combustion technology and emissions control systems. I want robust durability built into the DNA of vehicles because complexity is quite expensive to fix and very frustrating to live with when the R&D is underbaked, okay? Robustness needs to be a commercial imperative for car makers because I don't really think we can rely on all of those brands out there just to do the right thing off the bat. Everything's going to wear out, clearly. Second law of thermodynamics, there is no escape from that. But decent automotive design should last 10 years or 200,000 Ks. This is entirely reasonable and achievable today. 
If there is a premature failure and you've done the right thing, then the dealer and the importer need to get together efficiently to keep you sweet and give you whatever you need to restore whatever, perhaps highly motivated because they're shit scared of Princess Poshtovia jumping out of friggin' Pandora's box like weaponized anthrax. This suggestion that $47,500 is just a rogue dealer and that Fiat Chrysler head office had no knowledge of such abhorrent practices, what a load of shit in my view. Firstly, prices cannot be fixed under Australian law, right? Dealers are free to charge whatever they want, whatever they think the market will bear for their parts and their labour. And there is no way to compel a dealership to be reasonable on prices. And some certainly do have a lend, right? The Lawrence's dealer is in Newcastle, just north of the knee of Sid. Nearly $7,000 for labour in this case for what is, at its luxurious best, a 15-hour job. Work that out. It's almost 500 bucks an hour. And if you've never seen a real-life sandpaper dildo, but you'd like to know how one feels in 80 grit, that's pretty much it, okay? I think you'd agree. Parts were, hold on to your hat, Dorothy, $39,600, you know, one pump, six injectors, two fuel rails, gaskets, etc. You could almost ship these friggin' parts to the International Space Station for 40 grand. Rule of thumb, in case you're interested, it's about $20,000 a kilo. And it doesn't matter what, you know, bacon, cocaine, fuel injection system, 20 grand a kilo to get anything to the International Space Station. This repair bill is evidence of a systemic parts pricing ripoff strategy by Fiat Chrysler and its dealers across this country for several years and which could not occur without FCA's knowledge and its tacit approval, in my view. Here's the smoking gun on this rogue dealer business, okay? Two years ago, a guy named Michael emails me. He's quite upset. His cup overran when his diesel Jeep shat itself at just 58,412 kilometres in an eerie prequel to the Lawrence's recent fuel system meltdown. The Caroline Springs Jeep shit heap dealer dealt with that one. The two dealerships, Newcastle and Caroline Springs, are separated by 1,000 kilometres. These events are also separated by almost two years in time, okay? Those shitheads in Sunshine quoted the following, $8,900 for the high-pressure fuel pump, sicked in, and six injectors at 2,500 bucks a piece, that's 15 grand. The left and right fuel rails at 2,163 bucks each, that's $4,326. Fuel injector lines, $1,267. Sundry parts, 1,970 buckaroonies. And the total, right, have a guess, add a bit. It's a staggering $31,464, not including labour. I have that official dealership quote. The Sunshine dealership was far more reasonable about the labour at just $1,820, which I imagine is about 15 hours at about 120 bucks per hour. That's only 50% higher 
than it should be. That's not funny. That's a rip-off. Those pricks in Newcastle were proposing to fillet the Lawrences to the tune of $7,000 for the labour. This is an epic touch-up, even for an industry that is famous for those touch-ups. Put the parts, right? 31 and a half grand in Victoria two years ago versus 39 and a half in Newcastle today. They are similarly blown out, I think you'd agree. There's no way head office could not know about this. Like, absolutely no way. Not that I can see, anyway. These are just two rip-offs that we know about. Okay, so there's that. How many poor bastards just copped it on the chin and coughed up this extortionate fee because they needed to get their Jeep shithawk back on the road, right? Because this is the whole smoke-fire scenario, isn't it? These two quotes are the smoke, but I'm tipping there's a whole forest fire out there just blazing away. And if you've got a quote like that, send it to me, john at autoexpert.com.au. I'd love to see that. If you're a dealer and sales are in the crapper, okay, and with Jeep, they most certainly are, hashtag Australia, service department extortion is an awesome book balancing opportunity and this can get out of control really quickly and you know there's also this fool me once maybe it's a rogue dealer but fool me twice it suggests a culture of ripoff as usual this rogue dealer suggestion is about as likely as the alleged rogue engineers mooted at one point by those assholes at Volkswagen when all the time the fish was rotting from Martin Wintercorn's head all the way down. There's no way that senior people at Fiat Chrysler Australia can be unaware of dealing such as this, right? Because consumers would be arcing up to head office about repair costs all the time, don't you think? I'd love to see the AFP knock on Fiat Chrysler's door down under with a warrant and perhaps then we could test this hypothesis. Importantly, consumers are doing what's vital here. There's a stampede away from this dog shit brand and rightly so. To you senior executives at FCA, I can see only one remaining option. You might have to resort to being ethical and honest. I know, it's a desperation move, isn't it? Like fixing bayonets when you're running really low on ammo and you can see the whites of those eyes approaching. It's pretty grim when you have to resort to honesty and ethics in the business world. Now, before I let you go, FCA did intervene a couple of days ago. They bowed to the media pressure and they turned the Lawrence's $50,000 frown upside down by offering to repair their shit heap for free. That's a result, but... In other words, what they really did was agree to do somewhat less than the requirements under Australian consumer law. Because make no mistake, had they rolled the dice in court and lost, it could well be Princess of Poshtovia 2.0. And, you know, they get their $50,000 refunded. Plus, they make a successful application for costs and then the dealer goes FCA for costs as well. I'd like to see that. FCA is getting out of this one for about 10 grand, I reckon, minus the media fallout, which I sincerely hope is unpleasant and costs them sales because in an ethical world where there's some sort of moral balance, right, 
that's the least they deserve, to be hammered in the sales department. I mean, they already are. They're up against the ropes, but there you go. To Kevin Flynn, who runs FCA in Australia, I'd suggest you did try very hard to spin this one up, mate, in the news, and to appear as if you were bending over backwards to be magnanimous to a struggling family. But in fact, you do not deserve a standing friggin' ovation, mate, any more than the rest of us deserve pats on the back for not knocking over the National Australia Bank on the corner again today. You assholes did less than the law requires for a breach of the acceptable quality guarantee. And in that sense, you're still getting away with it. 